Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, where we explore leading practices that have emerged in Vizient's PI programs. I'm Jim Lickauer, Senior PI Director for Pharmacy at Vizient, and your host for today's episode. In this podcast, we'll discuss antimicrobial stewardship. Antimicrobial resistance continues to be a public health threat across the globe. Antimicrobial stewardship programs, or ASP, are the primary approach health systems use to optimize antimicrobial utilization, mitigate antimicrobial resistance, and improve patient outcomes. ASP is not a new concept, so we continue to look at ways to expand and improve our existing programs. Recent updates to the Joint Commission standards provide the opportunity to evaluate our current programs and implement the necessary changes. Here to discuss the revised standards are Mike Postelnik, System Program Director, Antimicrobial and Diagnostic Stewardship from Northwestern Medicine, and Lucas Schultz, Antimicrobial Stewardship Director and PGY2 ID Residency Program Director from University of Wisconsin Health. Welcome, Mike and Lucas. Glad to be here. Thank you. Lucas, start us off with an overview of the changes to the standards and why updates were necessary. The Joint Commission and CMS updates are really helping drive antimicrobial stewardship programs forward, and we're excited that these new changes to the standards have come about. The standards are really based on an expansion of ASP leadership responsibilities. These responsibilities include a few different avenues. So first, the program and their leaders need to implement at least two evidence-based guidelines to improve antibiotic use. These can be guidelines targeting common infections like urinary tract infections or skin and soft tissue infections. They could also be guidelines that improve the way we use antimicrobials like route interchange or IV to PO guideline as well. The program and their leaders must monitor adherence to these guidelines and demonstrate that the guidelines and the actions that the program are taking are improving patient outcomes or antimicrobial utilization by decreasing unnecessary use. The program itself should be implementing one or two or both of the core foundational principles and actions of stewardship programs. And these include prospective audit and feedback or prior authorization of antimicrobials. The stewardship program should work collaboratively with infection prevention and quality improvement, which really expands the scope outside of the traditional pharmacy department silo. And the stewardship program should provide competency-based training for hospital staff. This helps grow stewardship and really aligns with the principle that everybody needs to be an antimicrobial steward to protect this valuable resource of antimicrobials. Finally, the stewardship program should measure their impact using either days of therapy per thousand patient days or by submitting to the NHSN antimicrobial utilization or antibiotic resistance module. The guidelines and the new standards also include a statement saying that it's important that these programs, if they can't be funded or can't be supported exclusively by a single institution, that remote stewardship is also an opportunity. And this opens up partnership opportunities between large community hospitals, academic medical centers, small and rural hospitals, and really is targeted at the final statement that indicates that allocation of financial resources and information technology support must be paramount in a stewardship program. Something we're very excited that CMS has made a statement saying we need to make sure we're supporting these programs both financially and with the IT resources necessary. Mike, Lucas mentioned financial support. EP10 is a new recommendation that hospital allocates financial staffing and information technology to support ASP. What constitutes adequate financial resources, and how should those funds be allocated to support ASP? 
That's really a great question, Jim, and a relatively difficult question to answer easily. CMS rules do require surveyors to review the criteria that the hospital used to determine the resources that are necessary to operate the stewardship program effectively and ensure that the resource allocation matches the determined needs. Obviously, that's open to interpretation and that it makes it incumbent upon the stewardship program to utilize all the rules and standards to make a case for the kinds of resources that they need. There are some benchmarking data and CMS does quote, refer to those in their rule that were published in Infection Control and Hospital Epidemiology in 2020, which gives staffing levels based on bed size for both medical directors and pharmacists, which can be utilized to help set a range for where a stewardship program should be in terms of personnel resources. And finally, IT resources, as Luke had mentioned, really are key to an effective stewardship program. And when a program is laying out what's needed, they have to be high on the list of making sure that they are adequately met. Lucas, earlier you mentioned competency-based training. EP12 has been revised to specifically require it for medical staff. What can you tell us about the who, what, and when of that training? Another expansion of the standards that we're very excited about, this really does expand stewardship and makes everyone accountable to being a steward of our antimicrobial resources. We expect that surveys for this standard will include a request to demonstrate that medical staff who are outside the stewardship program have received training on ASP initiatives. For example, here at UW, we are including information about Clostridium difficile infection in our annual safety and infection control training. This safety and infection control training is required of all hospital staff, both medical and supportive staff, including nurses and ancillary staff members. And we start by talking about the importance of C. diff. There's a component of infection control with hand washing, donning and doffing of personal protective equipment. And then we lead into discussions about the importance that fluoroquinolones play in the development of Clostridium difficile. We talk about how our stewardship program requires pre-authorization for these antimicrobials. We talk about the process of ordering them, how the stewardship program evaluates prospectively the utilization of these medications to make sure they're optimized and that they are best for the patient. And we demonstrate that the stewardship program's impact of decreasing fluoroquinolone resistance has also resulted in decreased clustered difficile infection rates. Other opportunities for engaging and training medical staff might include provider orientation training videos. All new providers that come in need to watch this video, document that they've watched it. And that's an opportunity for the stewardship program to highlight their processes and how they'll be interacting with those providers. It might point them to a website where the stewardship program regularly posts updates about important issues related to antibiotic prescribing. And that kind of continual communication, a centralized location for information goes a long ways into training and keeping medical staff up to date of current stewardship practices. Mike, we mentioned data and benchmarking earlier, and we know data is very important to drive the change, but EP20 recommends reporting ASB data to hospital leadership and prescribers. Who are they referring to when they say hospital leadership, and what specific data do you recommend, and how should it be reported? 
I think when you talk about hospital leadership, you run the gamut from your local department leadership, like the pharmacy department, all the way through the CMO, hospital president, and even the hospital board. These are all very important areas where the problems associated with antimicrobial resistance and the impact of the stewardship program need to be communicated. You need to utilize the existing hospital quality improvement program to get this message across, utilizing quality committees, medical staff specialty committees, pharmacy and therapeutics committees. All these are places where the data from the stewardship program should be presented. In terms of what data should you present, there's process and outcome data including antimicrobial use data, such as that collected in NHSN's AU module, is one place to start. You can utilize that for benchmarking between units in the same hospital. You could utilize the SAR metric that is included in NHSN to help benchmark your hospital to other hospitals. These are all opportunities to demonstrate to leaders the the impact of your stewardship program. Then outcome metrics are very important as well. An example of one that we're currently involved in is utilizing risk-adjusted length of stay data to examine the impact of pharmacists' interpretation of rapid diagnostic results. And I think showing an impact here and getting patients out of the hospital quicker is very important to hospital leadership, and it's something they pay a great deal of attention to. I'll reiterate that you need information technology support, and it is key to be able to analyze data at a level that it can be meaningful for hospital leadership. Lucas, ASP has its origins in acute care, but in 2020, the Joint Commission released new standards for ambulatory care. What should we know about ambulatory ASP standards? One of the things I'm most excited about is this expansion into the ambulatory setting. We know that the majority of antimicrobials are prescribed in ambulatory settings, not in the inpatient side. So this is a great opportunity for us to optimize antimicrobial use and really drive down resistance and mitigate that impact of resistance nationally and globally. The core elements of ambulatory stewardship were outlined by the CDC in 2015. And there's really four of them that are important here. First is commitment. Second's action for policy. Third's tracking and reporting. And fourth is education and expertise. And these four core elements are similar and they kind of mirror some of the acute care side, but the operationalizing of ambulatory stewardship is different than the acute care side. It's important to recognize that not all ambulatory settings are included. So who is included is organizations providing medical or dental services. So dentistry practices are going to be scrutinized for their antimicrobial prescribing. Institutions and, and centers that provide episodic care, occupational or worksite health care, urgent or emergent and immediate health care, or convenience care. So a pretty broad spectrum of places where you can get antimicrobials prescribed. Notably, ambulatory surgery centers and office-based surgery programs are excluded from the ambulatory stewardship requirements through CMS. So what do you have to do to implement an ambulatory stewardship program? First is identify an individual or group to lead the program. This may be your stewardship program from acute care, ask to expand their role and take on some ambulatory tracking and reporting as well. So you have an individual or group to lead the program. You need to set a goal to improve antimicrobial use. 
This goal might be, for example, decreasing the use of antibiotics to treat viral infections. Third, you create or use evidence-based guidelines related to that goal. You can adopt prescribing guidelines from the IDSA or ASHP or any of the national societies related to antibiotic utilization and the treatment of viral infections. Fourth, you educate clinical staff and practitioners about that goal. Go out, meet with the people that you're targeting. Meet with those physicians, understand their prescribing practices and develop a tool or a process that's going to help them optimize antibiotic utilization in that scenario. And then finally, collect and analyze data related to that goal. How did you do? Did you manage to decrease antibiotic use in the treatment of viral infections? I think this is an excellent way to improve and expand the impact of stewardship programs, but it will be a big lift, right? As we look at the growth of ambulatory settings, we are under-resourced when it comes to ID expertise. This is an opportunity for our pharmacists and physicians with ID training to step up and meet that need, but it is going to stretch programs thin, which, going back to some of our first questions, really solidifies the importance of making sure there's sufficient financial resources and information technology resources to support your ASP program. We've provided a lot of detail and focused on the Joint Commission standards, but Mike, we know all of our listeners are not surveyed by Joint Commission. What other oversight organizations and or standards regarding ASP should our listeners be aware of? Uh, there's a number of organizations, as everyone knows, that does accreditation, Jim, but Joint Commission does do the majority. But what I'll share is the importance of reflecting CMS rules, and they all survey in relation to CMS rules. So what I would recommend that everyone be familiar with is the CMS rule for infection prevention and antimicrobial stewardship, which is available online, CMS QSO-22-20. And looking through those rules, you'll be able to see how much they reflect the Joint Commission standards and I'm sure the other accrediting bodies that look very much the same. Knowing the CMS rule and interpretation, it would be very helpful to you in putting things in proper perspective. The other thing to consider is that meeting the CMS PI or promoting interoperability requirements are changing at the start of 2024 and hospitals are going to be required to submit their antimicrobial use and resistance data to the NHSN AUR to achieve the highest interoperability level, which will result in increased Medicare payments. So this is another way if you have adequate IT resources to be able to do this, which is why, again, IT resources are so important, you're able to enhance revenue for your hospital and potentially convert that into some extra support to, to help meet all the new standards. It's really important to be familiar with these. And again, I'll stress it again, IT resources are key. Thanks, Mike and Lucas, for sharing your insights. And thanks for joining us today. If you want more details on this topic and other pharmacy topics, check out our Verified Rx podcast. And please join us for more Knowledge on the Go podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, send us your comments at picollaboratives at busyandinc.com. I'm Jim Lickar. Have a great day.